MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into Short Shots, the little sister program to Long Shots, the world's number one rated golf betting show right here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com as we get ready for a big event in the golf world. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you. A very unique week in the world of golf. It is the Ryder Cup, the classic battle between Team Europe and Team USA, a biannual tradition that has been going on since 1927. The Europeans West, they've won four out of the last five Ryder Cups. They're the defending champs, having won in Paris in 2018. Of course, COVID kept us from doing this again in 2020. So here we are in the fall of 2021 at Whistling Straits Golf Club, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, on U.S. soil for the renewal of the Ryder Cup. And uh, I've talked about this event uh, throughout the week that I think it is absolutely remarkable and thrilling to watch. The drama is really like no other golf competition on the planet because you have that team element. Um, But because of that team element, there's so much variance and unknown. You have matches where two players take on another two players and then they alternate shots and then it's best ball and it's match play. And how will these players gel and how do you handicap their combined skill sets? And then, you know, as far as the team concept, once again, it looks like the United States team is loaded with talent while the Europeans are loaded with experience and all the intangibles, the chemistry and the camaraderie. So, while I think it's a really thrilling stage to watch and be a fan of, I think there are very difficult. Uh, it's very difficult to find a good betting angle. 
Yeah, it certainly is, Brady. And you talk about four of the last five, nine of the last 12 going all the way back to 1995 at Oak Hill Country Club have been won by the Europeans here. So the Americans have only won three times, basically, in the last quarter century of this event. But we start another quarter century, another 25 years. So no time like the present to get right. I think we got two good captains here with Steve Stricker and Patrick Harrington. Home game, of course, for Steve Stricker in the state of Wisconsin. He lives in Madison, Wisconsin. So obviously this is big stakes and this is as close of a home game as you're going to get for a team captain, the American team. It's been well documented youngest team ever in the history of the Ryder cup, but maybe one of, if not the most talented teams in the history of the Ryder cup on the American side. If you go by the official world golf ranking, the OWGR 10 of the top 13 players in the world are on this American team. So, you know, it would seem on the surface like an embarrassment of riches. I mean, when you're looking, at who got sent out because the foursomes pairings for Friday morning were offered up earlier this afternoon at the opening ceremony. And when you look at it, it's like you've got Bryson DeChambeau sitting on the bench for the first session. And when you've got a guy like that, who's a major champion sitting out the first session, you know, you are loaded with talent. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And that'll lead me to my next question. But you talk about what was it? 10 of the top 13 players in the world. If you take the entire United States team, no one is ranked worse than 21st in the world. So, I mean, you're talking about a 12 players that are all inside the top 20 in the world rankings. It may be the most stacked team I've ever seen. But again, that leads me to my next question. And I was on the nightcap with Tim Murray earlier in the week. And he asked me this and I, and I kind of think it might play out this way because this U S team is so talented. They could just throw the ball out there and tee it up and roll this thing. So I, I kind of think maybe it's a, a substantial victory, a landslide type victory for the U S or I think it's going to be really, really tight and Europe will be in it till the bitter end. Yeah, absolutely. You look on paper, the European team certainly has talent, but certainly not as up and down the roster as team USA team USA has more rookies, but, and actually six rookies on this team out of 12, but not your average rookies. uh, And actually that's five out of 12, but Colin Marikawa, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, Harris English, Daniel Berger, Scotty Scheffler, not exactly your average rookies here. So six for the Americans, three on the European side. That's Baron Wiesberger, Shane Lowry, a former champion golfer of the year, and also Victor Hovland. So you look at this European team, maybe not a lot of youth necessarily on this team. Sons, Victor Hovland, under 25 a lot of a youthful core I think you have for Team USA and that is kind of why I like Team USA here because I think this is almost like a transition team for Europe you have three players actually uh, three players over 40 in this format you have Garcia you have Poulter and you have Lee Westwood and then you add in Paul Casey who seemingly is younger than 44 I always kind of forget about Paul Casey because he hasn't played a lot of Ryder Cups because he wasn't over on the European tour to play the men amount of events and be eligible for the team. But if you look at what Captain Harrington did earlier this afternoon, he sent out his experience. He's sending out all his 40 plus year old guys out there in that first session. And I think some of it, I think he's more confident in Sergio and Paul Casey, maybe not as much with Ian Poulter and Lee Westwood, age 45 and age 48, respectively between them. He wants to see what he has with these guys. And I think he's willing to send them out there in the first 
possession. And if they get some kind of point on the board, whether it's a half or a full point, I think he's going to be happy with that. But he wants to go with, obviously, the proven commodities. You have a little bit of inexperience down the roster with Viesberger and Lowry, of course, being rookies. Fleetwood and Hatton, who are not playing that first session, have only had one previous Ryder Cup appearance each for for each of them. So that's what I think you're seeing Harrington do is really see, okay, what do I have with these older players and how can I use them forward throughout the weekend? Yeah, and it's kind of also interesting that in a couple of cases, he's paired them with a younger player, too. Paul Casey paired with Victor Hovland. Lee Westwood paired with Matthew Fitzpatrick. Of course, you mentioned John Rahm and Sergio. That'll be the lead team. And they are a slight favorite in a matchup against the United States lead pairing of Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. Of course, boyhood friends become Ryder Cup teammates. uh, And I think that's a great storyline there. Uh, You know, it's all always been the argument that the American team doesn't have that chemistry and the Europeans care about this more. And that was kind of really fostered by Seve Ballesteros in 1985. If you go back to 1985, Europe has since won 11 of 17 Ryder Cups. And and I think we see that all the time. It, it really does look like the Europeans care more about this. They care more about supporting one another, where you could argue that the United States is a little bit more of an, an individual type sport and they don't always gel as a team. But Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, those two guys seem like quintessential Ryder Cuppers for the United States team. Yeah, and you look at what they did in Paris, albeit not a very good effort for Team USA over at Le Golf National back in 2018. Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas went 3-1 and one together, so you can kind of tell that they're a little bit of the A team for Steve Stricker and Team USA. I think that they're a little bit better in the four-ball format, which is going to be the afternoon formats both days necessarily, more so than the foursomes or the alternate shot. That one loss they did have wasn't foursomes but look Stricker saying I'm going to put out my A team here in the first match and who do they get they get team Spain Sergio Garcia John Rahm there was talk maybe they wouldn't play together because they're not enemies but they're not exactly good buddies in terms of their relationship because I think Sergio Garcia kind of sees this young guy coming along and it's like okay you're pushing me out of the way and you're the premier golfer in Spain it's very different dynamic from that old Seve Ballesteros and Jose Maria Olathobble dynamic where Seve kind of used Jose a little bit or you know looked he was kind of a mentor for him a little bit and Jose kind of knew okay I'm going to follow Seve's lead and kind of keep my mouth shut here and that's why they were such a successful Ryder Cup duo but Ramon Garcia it does make a little bit of sense when you're you're saying okay this is the number one player in the world if there's a guy I got to count on to get points here even though he's only played in one Ryder Cup in his past career experience he's number one in the world I'm going to put him with Sergio Garcia who's my best foursome player and foursomes another word for alternate shot Sergio Garcia is 10-4 and 3 in eight Ryder Cups in this alternate shot format so he's about as good as you get he's the all-time leading point getter in this entire event whether it's Team USA or Team Europe so I give a narrow edge I don't think this is a match I'm going to personally bet and it's pretty much looking like it's like 110 either side some big has moved to the Rom Garcia side at a couple shops but This is, I couldn't make a call on this match, a slight lean to Europe, but no bet for me necessarily in this opening foursomes match. 
Yeah, Sergio Garcia, his overall Ryder Cup record, 22-12-7. and seven. And you're right about that relationship with Rom. I don't think they're exactly chummy, but I don't think they're adversaries either. And I don't think it'll take very long uh, for them to feed off of one another if things start going well for the European side in their matchup. Now, Dustin Johnson West does not have a great match play record, Ryder Cup, President's Cup. He's never really been able to find that that perfect pairing with what partner is going to make him really fire and complement his game. But this may be the one Colin Morikawa. All he's going to do is stripe it down the middle and stripe his iron shots and DJ can just let it loose. That might be a really good pairing. They're a favorite uh, at minus 120 over Paul Casey and Victor Hovland. Did that one catch your eye at all? It did. And in full disclosure, one of the props I did make before the Ryder Cup was Victor Hovland to be the low European scorer at seven to one. And when you're making those type of individual like props for low point scoring, you obviously are first and foremost looking to say, okay, who's going to play the most matches. There are five total sessions. So you're looking for a guy that's going to play five matches. So like on the European side, you know, probably Rory's going to go out for five matches. You know, Victor Hovland's going to go out for five matches on the team USA side. Justin Thomas is probably at least going to go out for five matches. Perhaps Xander Schauffele or Patrick Cantley, assuming they are paired together, and we'll get to them in a moment, they're probably going to go out for five matches. So I really like this Casey and Hovland team, but I like this DJ and Morikawa team, I think, a little better, Brady, and you really led into it there. Dustin Johnson, 37 years of age. He is the oldest member of the team. They have not been able to find a consistent partner for him because he is absolute money in singles. Three and one, the only singles match he's ever lost in the Ryder Cup, actually, was 2018 in Paris. He lost to Ian Poulter. And his foursomes record, one, three, and zero, win-loss tie, has been kind of four, but I think he's been kind of used really badly. Now you're putting a guy that is so good off the tee that has power that has experience and for that power also has very good accuracy for as long as he hits the ball off the tee combined with Colin Marikawa who's the best iron player in all of the three world here and I think that that's a very good match and I was kind of suggesting that I was like they need to go with these guys the the worry a little bit with Marikawa is his fitness because he he was having some back issues as we got into the FedEx Cup playoffs but he's saying and people around him are saying he's fit so I'm going to take him at their word a little bit here even though I was a little concerned about him going in uh, Paul Casey surprisingly enough as good of a ball striker as he is he's only one and one in foursomes they've used him a lot in his four appearances and four balls but not necessarily an alternate shot with how good he is with the irons and how accurate he is off the tee but I do like DJ and Morikawa in this match and just kind of seeing the price here I think it's pretty much stayed the same around the opener around dollar twenty. $1.25, maybe a little bit of trickle on uh, Casey and Hovland, but I do like DJ and Morikawa to get the point here. Couple more matches for the opening round of the Ryder Cup, and uh, Wes and I will be back with a preview of round two Saturday's action. We'll have that up at vison.com on Friday night, but uh, taking a look at round one here, of course, we won't be able to. Uh, 
chime in and give you an outlook at what's going to happen in the afternoon. That's such a quick turnaround and Steve Stricker will reset the pairings and they'll go out for the best ball format or the four ball format in the afternoon. But certainly we can take a look at the foursomes and maybe look at some all over, you know, tournament wide bets as well. And we'll get to that in just a moment, but two more matches to take a look at. You've got Lee Westwood and Matthew Fitzpatrick as a big underdog plus 140 to the team of Florida State Seminoles, Brooks Kepka and Daniel Berger at minus 160. And then the final match in the morning, Rory McElroy with Ian Poulter at plus 115, taking on Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley, who are at minus 135. You know what, Wes? I kind of look towards the European underdogs in both of those matchups. Um, Kepka, of course, there's been talks about, you know, the injury and having to withdraw from the tour championship. Is his heart really in this? There's maybe been the distraction with how he's getting along with Bryson DeChambeau all week long. Daniel Berger's a guy I've been, you know, you know, petitioning for, if you will, to make this team for a long time. I think he can definitely be a great Ryder Cupper. Uh, Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley, arguably the two hottest players in the world, but they're Ryder Cup rookies. And are they going to be able to handle Rory McIlroy and Ian Poulter, a couple of the greatest Ryder Cuppers that the Europeans can ever put in front of you and Lee Westwood, all the experience in the world and Matthew Fitzpatrick, probably the best putter on either team. So my first look was maybe a little plus money here on uh, some matches that I think could be close. Yeah. I'll start with this uh, third match of the four for the foursomes. Uh, I'm not sure if Osceola is going to be out there with uh, Brooks Kepka and Daniel Berger. Of course, the Florida state team here has both went to a uh, university down there in Tallahassee. This was something that I looked at when, when the pairings were announced. I said, of these four matches, this team is going to be the biggest favorite, and that being Brooks Kepka and Daniel Berger, and that certainly materialized. I think I saw an opener of 140, and then I saw this quickly get bet. This got bet up to 180, and it's like, okay, can't lay that price. I understand why they're the favorite, and I think they should be the favorite in the match, but, man, that was just getting a little bit out of control because you've got to look at Brooks Kepka. He's been struggling a little bit for the fitness, of course, with injuries, not necessarily his physical fitness, just uh, and being in shape but just with injuries and had to pull out of the tour championship. Daniel Berger, of course, is making his event debut. Matthew Fitzpatrick is seeking his uh, first Ryder Cup point because the first Ryder Cup that he played in back at Hazeltine did not go well for him. He was very young. He was only 22 years old. And I think that that atmosphere got the best of him. And you had a young guy that really just wasn't ready for the smoke, so to speak. And then Lee Westwood has been out of form really since the spring. Of course, he had those back-to-back runner-up finishes and at the uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational and also the Players Championship, but he has not really been in that kind of form. So the European pair- pairing kind of worries me because this is a big course, and I'm worried these two guys aren't big enough off the tee to really compete with these two kids from Florida State. However, this price has got a little out of control because Kepka and Berger, they lost their foursomes match together at the Ryder Cup in 2017. And also on the Westwood Fitzpatrick side, one thing that's kind of a fetter in their cap is Billy Foster is Matt Fitzpatrick's caddy, and he was with Lee Westwood for years. So they're going to be able to kind of like read putts, help each other out a little bit, and 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 I think that that could benefit. So maybe you look, if you want to say that this match could be halved, and some books will allow you to bet a tie in a match, or if they'll allow you to bet like plus a hole or whatnot, but this price, 
I think has gotten a little big. Now it's starting to kind of get back to like minus 165, minus 160. I certainly thought Kepka and Berger were the rightful favorites, but they seem to be the match that everybody is betting. And oftentimes when that happens in this format, Brady, that's the one you want to stay away from. Yeah, and again, I go back to what I talked about at the top. I think betting these two-on-two matchups is probably something you may want to stay away from because it's a very difficult handicap. You have so many different dynamics when you face two-on-two rather than just one-on-one. If you want to bet matchups, maybe wait until the Sunday singles roll around. When you have just one player against one player, you may have some storylines develop with one player versus another. You also might be able to look and see how these players are performing? Are they really suited for the course? And do they appear in good form over the first couple of days? Wes, uh, we'll wrap up the program here and I'll go over the bets that I have made. Uh, I di- and again, I, I also want to you know throw out there, this is literally funny money for mm-hmm. me. I did not invest in this like a traditional golf tournament because it is so random. It's more fun for me to watch. I don't want to get too heavily invested uh, because I, I think it's very difficult to find an edge. Uh, I did bet Europe at two to one uh, to hoist the trophy. I uh, also bet Justin Thomas at six to one and also Colin Morikawa at 10 to one. Uh, one of those to be the top U.S. point scorer. And then I also bet two uh, two guys to be the top European point scorer. Took Rory McIlroy at six to one and Sergio Garcia at 12 to one. And then the final bet that I made was the Americans at minus 125 to lead after the first day. Okay, yeah, and those make a lot of sense here. And and one thing that you can also do, if you're not betting match to match, you can also bet like session scores. And you can go by, okay, what's the exact score going to be in foursome? So what this kind of uh, seems to me is – I kind of like maybe Team USA three to one in this first session because in terms of the matches, I would only bet two matches on Team USA. I would bet DJ and Marikawa over Paul Casey and Victor Hovland. I am going to bet that. And I'm also going to bet our final match of the session. That's Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley over Rory McIlroy and Ian Poulter. If you look... Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay were paired together in the President's Cup. They won both foursomes matches, but actually lost both four-ball matches. Both of these guys in excellent form. Xander Shoffley just a couple months ago won the Olympic gold medal in Tokyo. Patrick Cantlay, now your PGA Tour Player of the Year and FedEx Cup champion. Meanwhile, you got Rory and Poulter, which was kind of an odd pairing. I thought McElroy was going to be with Victor Hovland, but he is out there with Ian Poulter. And look, they both get along very well, but you won wonder, though, about Ian Poulter because we look at his overall record and how nails he is in the Ryder Cup, but really his peak form was like back in 2012 at Medina when he basically carried this team on his back to victory, so... He's been a little bit pedestrian when you look at his record ever since then. It's not like he has been necessarily winning every match, Ian Poulter. So you look at kind of what he's done ever since then. He's 2-3-2 and in his last two Ryder Cup appearances since that 4-0 at Medina. So I know the postman, as he's nicknamed, kind of always delivers. But I wasn't really crazy necessarily about this McElroy-Poulter pairing. I wonder if this course is not going to be a very good course for Ian Poulter. So Xander Shaw. And Patrick Cantley at minus a dollar thirty-five would be worth it to me. 
All right, my friend. Well, that is going to do it for our initial preview of the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits. We will be back for another episode to preview Saturday's action, and then we'll be back for a final episode to preview Sunday's action. That'll be all up and available at vsin.com. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you. The Short Shots version of the world's greatest number one betting show, Long Shots. We'll be back for more of the Ryder Cup all weekend long. Enjoy it, everybody. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.